0: My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here in New Hope. And uh, we're going to be continuing through our story about Joseph. Um, I know I like to get us caught up to speed each week, but there might be some people that don't know the story. There might be some people here that uh, haven't been the previous week. So let's just get a quick recap. Um, the story starts, Joseph is a young man. He's cocky. He's dad's favorite son, and he's not so nice to his brothers. They get sick of that, so they do what every good brother would do. They fake his death and sell him into slavery, right? Um, It's not a good time for Joseph. It's not good. Um, But he ends up getting sold uh, to a man named Potiphar. He's a wealthy Egyptian man. And Potiphar quickly realizes that God's hand is clearly on Joseph because Joseph prospers in everything that he does. And Potiphar makes Joseph the second in command of his own household. And what then happens is Potiphar's wife wants to put the moves on Joseph. She thinks he's attractive. She tries to sleep with him. He refuses her advances. He actually runs from her. But she tells her husband that Joseph tried to rape her. And so Joseph is put in prison for crimes he never committed. Okay? Joseph, being in prison now, the prison warden sees Joseph and goes, Hey, this guy... Is clearly got the hand of God on him, and he prospers in everything he commits himself to. So he is made second in command of the prison. Well, he meets two people in prison. He meets the cupbearer for the pharaoh, and he meets the pharaoh's royal baker, right? And they have these weird dreams. And Joseph overhears these dreams, and he tells them what those dreams mean. And he says to the cupbearer that he will be restored to his former position as cupbearer. And to the baker, you're going to die which is not great for the baker, but both things do come true. The cupbearer sees this, and Joseph just asks, just remember me. Remember me when you're put back in the, in the kingdom. And so the cupbearer goes back. It's two years later, and he has never mentioned Joseph once. That's where we're at. He forgot all about him. Joseph is sitting in prison, probably twiddling his thumbs, thinking he's never going to see the light of day. And that's where our story picks up today. Here's your heads up. This is a really long chapter, and we don't have time to read it. So I'm going to give you the Zach paraphrased edition, and it's going to be fun. But I'm going to ask that you please read it for yourselves. Read read the chapter. It's a really great chapter. Read this whole I mean, the whole book of Genesis is awesome. But read the whole story of Joseph sometime, front to back. Great story. um, But I want you to see that I'm not just, you know, taking whatever liberties I want here. I'm going to try and ring true, but to do it in a simplified form. So here we go. Pharaoh, it's two years later, as I said. Pharaoh's laying in bed one night. He has a dream. And all of a sudden, he has this... uh, Oh. Actually, not this. Not this. Yeah. No, that's for later. We will get there. Um, But uh, Pharaoh, he's laying in bed and he has this dream. And there are seven plump, juicy, delicious looking cows hanging out down by the river grazing. And all of a sudden out of the river come seven dying, sickly, gaunt cows. And they eat the seven healthy ones. And Pharaoh wakes up from this and he's freaked out. He doesn't know what that means. And all of a sudden, he, he kind of gets dozed off and falls back to sleep and he has a second dream. And that second dream, there are seven healthy, juicy, good-looking stalks of grain. But then, seven unhealthy, dying, sickly stalks of grain choke out the other grain and take over. And Pharaoh wakes up again, and he is just terrified. He doesn't know what to make of any of this, but he knows it means something. And so Pharaoh does what we do, and he consults ye olden Google. And he goes and gets a hold of all of the wisest people around. He gets a hold of what would essentially be psychics, uh, astrologers, um, these, these magicians, right? And he cannot get an answer that suffices. He's not happy with any of the answers he gets. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer goes, oh crap, I forgot about that guy in prison. And he goes to Pharaoh and he goes, look, I should have done this a long time ago, but I forgot. Back when you sent me and the baker to prison because you were mad with us, we had weird dreams there. And there was a Jewish guy there. He was a young Jewish guy and he could interpret our dreams. He told me that I would be restored to the cupbearer position and he told the baker that he would die. And it happened. And I was supposed to tell you about this, but I forgot. And Pharaoh says, I need to talk to him. Go get him, bring him here. So they send for Joseph. They get him a nice haircut, get him a nice shave, get him some clothes, because he's been in jail for a long time. And I cannot imagine Egyptian jail is a place you want to be. So they get him looking good. They get him in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, you're the guy. You're the guy that can interpret dreams. And Joseph says something very important here. He says, no, that is beyond my ability. I can't do that. But God can God can tell you what you need to know. And Pharaoh's like, okay, well, here, here's my dream. And he tells him about the seven healthy cows and then the seven unhealthy ones, the seven healthy grains, the seven unhealthy ones. And Joseph thinks on this and he consults God and he says, well, it's the same dream. It's one dream, it's not two dreams. You, you, they, they mean the same thing. He said, you know, you, you've got the seven healthy cows, and you've got the seven healthy stalks of grains. Well, that's seven years. That's seven years of abundance. That's seven years of food. That's seven years of prosperity. Things are going to be good for seven years. But just like those seven unhealthy cows came out of the river and ate the healthy cows, and just like those seven unhealthy grains came and choked out the healthy grains, we're going to have seven years of Famine says, Pharaoh, you've got to do something about this. So you've got to to get a man on this job immediately. You need to start setting back portions of food right now. You need to build silos, grain houses, where we can store up this food, where we can put it away. So when that time comes and there's no more food, we can ration it. We can give it out to the people so they'll have something to eat. And Pharaoh, in what I can only presume is a kind of tongue-in-cheek thing to say, is he says, well, who am I going to find that, you know, God's hand is resting on? I need somebody with the spirit of God on them. Keep in mind, this guy thinks he is God. This guy thinks that Anubis and Set and Ra are gods. He doesn't worship a God, let alone the Hebrew God. Yet he says, I need someone with the spirit of God on him. Oh, wait, there's you. 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 You are the wisest man here. Clearly, clearly God is on you. His hand is in your life. He's he's working in and through you. I need you to be this man, Joseph. He says, you're going to go and you're going to store these things up. You are going to be the second in command in all of Israel. He said, sorry, all of Egypt. Nobody is going to have a higher position than you except for me. He said, nobody's going to raise a hand or raise a foot without your say-so. You're in charge. And that's exactly what happens. Joseph takes this job. He goes and he starts building these storehouses. They start setting back this food. And then when those seven years come, they're ready. And they save the known world from starvation. Not only Egypt, but the Israelites as well, right? We find that out later. We'll talk about that next week, Joseph's brothers. But that's the story. That's essentially what happens in chapter 41, okay? So what do we do with that? Because that's a whole lot of agriculture, and that's a whole lot of stuff that happened thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. So why does that apply to me today? Why does that apply to you today? How does that apply, right? I think in three particular ways. And I'll say it it applies in uh, infinite ways. I mean, the Bible is this infinite fount of wisdom and application for our lives. But we don't have time for infinite amounts of things, so we're just going to pick three. Is that fair? The first one's this. We got to go back to the beginning of the story. We, we hear that, that Pharaoh has this dream, right? And like I said, he, he does what we do. He goes and he consults every worldly resource he has. Right? He doesn't have Google. We have Google. But how often do you go, like, WebMD? Who here has used WebMD? How many times were you dying? Every time. (laughs) Every time. It's not accurate. I don't know how to tell you. Okay? Like, he consults every resource he's got, and it's not good enough, and he knows it's not good enough. Just like we do. But it doesn't stop us. We go and we, we go and consult other things. So he needs something more. He needs something better than this worldly resource. Ding. Cupbearer has that thought. And he's like, listen, I know a guy and he's not just some guy that says he can interpret dreams. He interpreted my dream. And Pharaoh trusting his cupbearer because he has to trust the cupbearer. The cupbearer is the guy that makes sure you don't get poisoned. Kind of an important job for a king, right? Okay. He trusts this guy. And this guy says, this man is the real deal. And that's what brings him before Pharaoh.
1: Now, here's why that's important. Recall the fact that
0: there has been a two-year period of nothing coming of Joseph's goodwill towards these men. He has been sitting in jail for two years, probably thinking, hey, that nice thing I did for that guy, it's, nothing's ever going to come of it. Well, that's what we're called to do too we are called to plant seeds because that's all Joseph did. We are to go out and we are to do goodwill towards men. We're all men. We're to go do good things towards all people, right? That's, that's what we're called to do, to go spread the gospel, to go tell people what Jesus has done in our lives, and to go tell people what Jesus can do for other people even when we get nothing out of it, even when it seems like no good is going to come from this, we still do what is good and what is right, just like Joseph did for those men in that prison, even though he got nothing out of it. Because you don't know how God's going to use it years down the road, maybe just a day or two down the road. You don't know. We aren't called to know that. We're just called to do.
1: Plant seeds do those good things no matter what that's the first point what next well
0: that gets joseph his audience before pharaoh and pharaoh looks at joseph and immediately says you're the guy you're the interpreter you're him and what does joseph say no i'm just some guy i i can't interpret your dreams i i I don't know how to do that. Not of myself. Sure, I could do it, but I know it's not me. That's
1: God. That's all God. Here's why that's
0: important for me and you. Because we all have talents. Every single one of us are good at something. Some of you like math. Gross. Some of you like English. Some of you are really good at uh, working on cars. Right. Some of you, maybe you're good at doing taxes or, or understanding how credit works, or cooking, or maybe you like cleaning, or, or maybe maybe you're you're really good at making movies or, or music, or I don't know. I cut hair. I like playing music. Those are things I'm good at. But the thing is, we need to understand that whatever it is God has gifted us with, it's not yours. It's not of you. It's His. He's the one that gave you the breath in your lungs. He's the one that gave you the ability to think and be creative. And he gave you the hands to do the tasks that you do. He has provided all of it for you. And Joseph recognizes that. Joseph stays humble. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to take the gifts we've been given and to use them for God's purposes because they're his in the first place, right? And I love the other thing about staying humble. Notice that every time Joseph gets thrown into a new position, what does everybody try to do? They try to put him in charge. That could go to a person's head, right? But what does Joseph do? He always puts God in charge. He always keeps God in charge. God is always at the top. He is always the boss, no matter how great they think Joseph is. Joseph is always ready to say, no, it's not me. It's all God. We got to have that too. We got to be able to do that too. That's the second thing. Stay humble. Plant seeds,
1: stay humble. So, what's the third one? Well, the third one's kind of weird because it's not about Joseph at all. The third one is kind of wild because it's about Pharaoh. Okay?
0: Joseph tells Pharaoh what his dream means. And Pharaoh could have looked at him and went, Hey, get this crazy Jewish guy out of here off with his head, put him in the dungeon, whatever. You can do whatever with him. But he did. Or he could have said, wait, you said we got seven years? Okay. Yeah, we'll figure something out. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Well, something will happen. Maybe the weather will change. I don't know. We'll be good. We'll be fine. And just put it off. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. Pharaoh responds immediately, just like Matt told us we need to do, just like Joseph does all throughout this story. Here we see Pharaoh doing it. Pharaoh responds to God's warning, and he puts Joseph in charge, and what happens? They save the known world from starvation. Want me to take it a step further for you? Saves the line of Abraham from starving. Want me to take it a step further for you? You know who comes from the line of
1: Abraham? What was that? Jesus.
0: Jesus comes from Judah, who is Joseph's brother. It's from his bloodline, it's from that tribe of Judah, right? There would be no Jesus. Not in our world, not the not not born of a virgin Jesus that wouldn't have happened. God's promise to Abraham would not have been fulfilled had they starved. But Pharaoh Responded
1: to God's warning. You can partially thank Pharaoh for you being here today. That's oh, kind of crazy. But how many times is God doing that in our lives? That He's telling us
0: exactly what He wants from us and we don't do it. What did He require of you? What, what were you meant to do? What are you meant to do right now that you're not doing and what problems might be coming down the road because of it. What blessings could have been bestowed on somebody because you never acted or had you acted, right?
1: We've got to respond when God is calling us to do something. And you may be saying, look, this
0: story is old and it's not about me. Well, let me tell you a story about you. It's really easy. Uh, Matthew 25. Let's take a look at that. Jesus says this. He says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom's coming! Come out and meet him! All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return.
1: Pharaoh could have said, Maybe someday I'll get around to it. And everyone would have died. Jesus is giving us a very similar warning, and it is postmarked, delivered to you. He's telling you,
0: obey me. He's saying, I've told you everything you need to do. You need to repent of your sins. That means start thinking differently about them. Start hating your sin. Start hating the the bad things that you do. The things that are not of God. Start hating those things and turn away from them. Walk away from them. Leave them behind. Confess your sins. Ask for forgiveness. He says, believe in him. Believe that He is the Son of God, and that He died on the cross for your sins, that He lived the perfect life that you could never live, and that He was raised from the grave to life, and that if you put your faith in Him, you will be raised to life. And He says, the way you know all that's true is through your obedience. If that's true in your heart, if you really believe that... It's not just something we say. It's not just a status that we give ourselves, that we say we are a Christian. It is our obedience that lets us know if that has actually taken hold in us. Obedience never gives us salvation. Obedience is a direct result of salvation. And Jesus right here is saying, some of you are going to put this off. Some of you are going to say, oh, well, I'm, you know, in the, I'm the bridesmaid in the story. I'm good. I'm, I'm Jesus's. I'm set apart for him. Right?
1: But notice not all of them get in.
0: It's the ones that were real. It's the ones that were prepared. It's the ones that really wanted him to begin with. They're the ones that got let in. What happens to the other ones? They find themselves knocking at the door, and he says, the worst thing I can imagine Jesus Christ ever saying to you is, I never
1: knew you. Jesus says, why do you say you love me when you don't obey what I've told you? And you don't obey my commandments.
0: There's people in this room and in churches all across America today that think they are square with God. And when they look at their lives, there's no reason to believe that. Other than the fact that they said a magical prayer one time.
1: Stop putting that off.
0: Stop putting it off. Stop thinking that everything's just going to be fine and you can do whatever you want. We got to take action. Pharaoh. A pagan man who thought that he was God himself that worshipped foreign gods, heard the call of God, and knew it was the real deal. We're, We're Christians sitting in a Christian church. Let's hear the call of God and know that it is the real deal.
1: Let's respond. That's the third thing. Respond. Keep planting those seeds. Stay humble. And respond. That's how we live,
0: love, and go like Jesus. That's how we change the world. That's how we tell people about the hope that is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And I want to be very, very clear. Because I know that this can come across not so great. And you might be able to twist what I'm saying here. This is not legalism. You are not saved by your works. You will never be saved by your works. But an obedient heart. Obedience is the sign that you were ever saved in the first place.